Welcome to the Circuit of Success. I am your host, Brett Gilland, and today, me, uh, today, me, today I've got Amy uh, Parvana with me. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you. Awesome. For having me. Well, it's good to have you. I forgot to ask you, where are you calling in from? What part of the country? Um, Orange County, California. Orange County. Beautiful. It's an awesome area. We were out in my wife and uh, four kids. We were in L.A., Santa Monica area, which I know is not Orange County, but uh, out there in April. So it was a lot of fun. It's a cheap place to live, it looks like. Oh, very cheap, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, goodness gracious. I mean, this place is, uh, this is crazy. Yeah. With four kids and uh, my wife and I, you know, it's like you couldn't do anything for under a couple hundred dollars for uh, like lunch. Yeah. It was nuts. Yeah. Yeah. It's not so. New York, though. At New York, I, I bought a one latte for $10. I think I don't think I've ever seen anything like that before. Yeah, yeah it was nuts. We The first night we got there, we got to our hotel and I ordered a glass of wine for my wife and I got an old fashioned, you know, been traveling and the guy comes back. He's like, that'll be $57. I'm like, oh, all right. Welcome to welcome to California. So, uh, well, anyway, we could chat about that all day. But you are the founder and CEO of Select Advisors Institute. Um, you are big in the RIA space, which is what Visionary Wealth Advisors were a registered investment advisor, and you do outside CMO work, so chief marketing officer type work, and I know branding and sales, helping uh, firms across the country, and referral uh, referral analytics is another thing that you all do and help. And uh, so we'll talk about that throughout the podcast. But if you can, maybe just give us a little background, Amy, and what's made you the woman you are today. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I started off my own career in finance, in investment banking at Citigroup. Um, I actually started my career on um, the same week as 9-11. So talk oh, wow. about your upbringing uh, in your career, uh, the two towers, crumble in front of me. Uh, so that was a very challenging, obviously, um, view to have as a, yeah. a, you know, starting off your career. Um, but that was uh, also the beginning of me falling in love with the financial industry. I've first and foremost always called myself a lover of the industry of investments, finance, um, but while I was in investment banking, I found out I don't really love talking about corporate banking and, you know, M&A and mergers, you know, and, you know, P&L statements as much as I like working with specific individuals, um, individuals around their wealth and around their financial needs. So I went yeah. to business school um, at Duke University and I you know, was recruited by Goldman Sachs, uh, went through about 25 rounds of interviews with them, um, did my internship there and... Uh, got a job in their private wealth management division in New York, where their minimum account size was about $10 million. Wow. And this is when I was 26 years old, knew no one that even had a million dollars, let alone yeah. that loved wealth. Uh, but one thing I did know was that I needed to succeed in that career because it was just such an amazing opportunity for me. I was willing to do cup of noodles, a mindset and just hustle um, because I felt like it was kind of like, um, it's like, um, I felt like I didn't belong there, frankly, because yeah. I was like, or like Harvard, you know, Yale, it grew up with a lot of wealth. And I was like, well, I don't have any of that. So that really was a great thing for me because it almost made me want to outshine everyone else. Um, and so I was there at Goldman for, about five and a half years there. Uh, while I was there, I broke a lot of records uh, as far as you know how fast I brought in clients, the type of clients I got in front of, um, and I just fell in love with like the the finding of the wealthy people. 
like the finding, the sourcing, it, finding who's made, just made wealth. How do I get in front of them? What do I say to them? Um, and they told me, this is what you're supposed to say. This is the script. And I was like, if I say that within a year, I'm going to get laid off. It's not really going to work for me. So I really uh, also embraced um, honing in on your own language, what you could feel really comfortable saying um, within the purview of a larger organization. Um, so I, I really enjoyed that. And I, all along while I was at Goldman, I was like, I want to be a business owner, you know, even though I know I'm like owning a book here, uh, I don't feel like I will ever have that level of, you know, zero ceiling that a business right. owner has where it's like, I, if I work hard, I literally will like, it's like one for one. And so I left to start my own business, just found that I was expecting my own, uh, my first baby. Um, and so as you know, that's a horrible timing. Um, yep. Went to join another large um, established <laughs> company that was PIMCO. And at PIMCO, it opened up my eyes to the entire world of RIAs. I went from a wirehouse world to RIAs. At PIMCO, my job was to pretty much sell to RIAs, um, be a consultant to them around PIMCO strategies. But sure. knowing me, I wasn't there passionate about talking about fixed income as much as I was about like, what is this? Where am I? Like, how is this three-man shop managing $500 million? It seemed crazy to me that they would be wearing so many different hats. Um, so in 2014, even though I was expected, like I had my second child, I was like, this is it. I'm starting my business. Moved from New York to California, um, even PIMCO, I was in the New York office. And um, I basically started Select Advisors um, Institute. And my first um, take on, you know, every business has different chapters. My first take on it was just to go help RIA sell, teaching them how okay. to go prospect. And then I would say, okay, when you go to this meeting, like, you know, over the next two weeks, do this, this, and this. So I would be their coach. And they would come back and not have done a lot of those things. So I realized pretty early on, I needed to actually do the work for them too, do the marketing work, take that on. So long story short, since 2014, I've basically built the infrastructure needed to be a replacement for an entire marketing division uh, that you know a, a PIMCO or a Goldman or a Vanguard has, like you know all yeah. the design all that those people, um, you know, a one man or five man or 20 man shop um, can't uh, typically focus on those or, or bring those in house. So we do a lot of that as an outsource. Yeah. And with I a niche it. in the financial services market only, right? That's, that's all you work with the financial advisors? Uh, absolutely. 90% yeah. of our clients are RIAs, 10% in the wirehouse world. Uh, we do coaching for them. But uh, yeah, only financial advisors. Yeah. So what we know that from a lens of what you work with and, and how you do that, but there's obviously more people than just financial advisors and listen to this. There are a lot of financial advisors that listen, but, um, but let, so let's have that discussion today really around um, kind of the way I would look at it is how do you, how do you promote creativity, right? I think a lot of people, whether you're an attorney, listen to this or a financial advisor, accountant, whatever it may be, we want to be creative, right? We have creative minds, but we may not have the team to do it. And let's say they haven't met you yet. They haven't hired you and you, your firm. How do you promote creativity in your world um, and, and time to promote creativity? 
Yeah. Yeah. That, that's part of the reason I actually stopped being a financial advisor myself is because I feel like my right brain, the creative side is a lot more powerful than my left brain. Um, yeah. So I think the first thing is everyone should admit to themselves, which side am I on? Am I more creative or am I more the analytical, the numbers person? And where people get into trouble is where they are the, the numbers person. They they're very good at the money management and the actual, you know, uh, leadership skills, but they want to somehow also do the creative side, right? They want to like get onto social media, for example, but social media isn't all about like uploading your latest Q3 reports and quarter, right. you know, your, your latest, um, you know, analysis on what's going on in the markets and having a line out the door. It requires creativity, being raw, being human. And so if, if you're able to figure out that you're not a creative and outsource that to someone who will be creative for you and not get in the way within the compliance boundaries, I think that's the most important is um, marketing does require a lot of creativity and thinking outside the box and financial folks, a lot of times they have to think inside the box. So, you know, it, it, I think then you have a really good equation. Yeah. What are you seeing most businesses are doing to fail in social media and what, what are they doing to succeed in social media? Uh, the only thing I've seen that works on social media has been literally uh, branding the human within, uh, you know, within the within the elements of a firm, as well as really, you know, providing value that could be shareable. You know, you look at LinkedIn, some of the things that are like, 10,000 likes and 7,000 reshares, they're really going uh, you know, out of their way to create things that are really giving it away, right? Giving away a lot of content. Um, and I want to share them, you know, other people want to share them. Or you talk about you as a human being, you know, kind of like you said, you, met, you saw my post about me revealing my actual name or talking about my vulnerabilities. The more vulnerable you could become, the more people could feel close to you without having met you yet. So those are the really the the only ways that I've seen really work on social media. Yeah. The folks that are not, unfortunately, it's they they know it too. They're not like they're, they're not blind to it, but they're not willing to take that risk. They and I call it a risk because it is a risk. You're really putting yourself sure. out there. Um they are not willing to even have like a little typo or a little like, you know, misspelling. But those are the little things that actually make you human and they make it look, you know, like you're a human being too. Uh, and yeah. those folks, you're just not going to get the views or the, the, you know, any, anything out of this. Yeah. Well, it's funny you say that. So I a hundred percent believe in that as well. And the, the transparency, the vulnerability that we have to have, I think as, as leaders, as, as advisors, when we're working with our clients, but also on that social media front, I, I've been very open with my struggles with anxiety throughout my life and produce yeah. countless uh, videos on how I've overcome it, how important it is to me, the meditation, the journaling, all these different things that I've done. And I noticed in my research for you, you, you struggle with that as well. Right. And I think, so immediately when I read that, I'm like, okay, there's a connection right there, right? We both have shared, even though you don't know that about me, I know that about you is there's that immediate connection there that allows for us to connect on a deeper level that maybe I wouldn't know if you just put out what happened in, you know, Q2 of the stock market, right? Uh, is yeah. to, so I'm just validating. So, so talk about that. You were, you shared that you have intense anxiety. You shared, uh, I've had it as well, still have it. Um, how do you overcome that? What, and how are you, how have you made that your friend? 
Yeah, and I think you're talking about my latest uh, post that I wrote recently that I think there, our whole society is so like, especially the younger generation, they're so worried about anxiety. They think anxiety is like the biggest culprit that could, uh, you know, disable them and they run from yeah. uh, a lot of anxiety. Like, you know, the whole term uh, anxiety, um, a panic attack where I had an anxiety attack, yeah. uh, right? And uh, I found that I used to, uh, you know, run away from it or let it weaken me but now, you know, as you age, you, you learn coping mechanisms and it's not even a coping mechanism. I actually embrace it. It's like stage fright. Someone once told me, if you don't have stage fright, you're not going to do well on stage. Yep. Well, I, I embrace it because I think uh, that level of anxiety is just fear inside you to keep going and, and do better. And it's been the, the basically the fuel for me to uh, to embrace it and be like what am i what am i worried about you know i'm worried about not getting clients but let me go get, get more clients right now you right. know and it's it's helped me and you know and i think just being able to like exer i exercise a lot i'm really into fitness um uh, and i like to do those alone i like to run alone um that allows me to like just meditate you know think um, I don't want to turn that into another competition. <laughs> you know, people are like, well, you run marathons. I'm like, no, I don't need any more competition in no. my life as a business owner. We're competing all day long. So, yeah. um, but that's been really helpful to me. And, uh, you know, just like re, re, um, living the, I guess, reigniting the anxiety into a good thing has been really yeah. great. My I've, I've found, I've found too, for me, it's, um, if I talk trash to it, like if I'm getting anxious about something, it's like, all right, man, like I know what you're doing here. Wow. I've seen this movie before. I know the end. I'm going to be fine. Like, you know, I kind of talk to it and then I immediately try to redirect my mind into something positive and something I'm excited for. Like, even if it's travel anxiety, getting on a plane and traveling and doing all that stuff, I've found in the last few years that, that if, if I, Embrace it. Yes, it's there. I see it. I feel you. I hear you. You're on my left shoulder here talking to me. But now, like, kind of flick that thing off and come over here and talk to the right shoulder and, and try to give that one power. And I've also read that the brain doesn't know the difference between excitement and anxiousness. Right? The wavelengths are the same between the two things. If you actually put it under, you know, a, a, whatever they put it under, some imaging center, the brain is the same for excitement as it is for anxiety. And so oh, now wow. it's trying to trick your body into understanding, hey, maybe it's not as anxious as it is, is I'm really excited about this. I'm really excited about getting to go do this. So when you hear me say that, what comes to mind for you? Yeah, I mean, that I think is, is <laughs> critical. Like, you know, I know it sounds uh, weird, but sometimes I tell myself, if I was to have a glass of wine right now, this problem still exists, right? right? It's all right. mental, right? And that's actually another thing is like, uh, you know, reducing i feel like our society is like fueled with drugs alcohol we're trying yeah. to let this go but why not face it and see like can i turn this into a positive thing can i you know can i turn this like anxious so i like you know i want to i want to bottle up my energy and be able to use it in a positive way yeah so what what have you had in your career that maybe has held you back and maybe it's anxiety maybe it's something different but do you have anything that's really kind of held you back for a little bit but then you broke through it and your comfort zone got a lot bigger? Yeah. Um, hmm. That's a great question. So my comfort zone. Yeah. I always like was worried about, you know, not, not being good enough, you know, because a lot of times you look at businesses and they're either funded by someone else <laughs> or right. they are, you know, they've got, uh, they've got all the right recipes, you know, and I always, 
feel like I, you know, I don't like to promote myself for not for no, you know, nothing, right? Or I'm not in an old boys club to, you know, to be networking and things like that. So I found, believe it or not, Brad, that the number one thing that's helped me, and it helped me at Goldman, it helped me at PIMCO, and it's obviously helped me with what I do is like, the, the good old fashioned be the one that actually puts in the work, right, puts in the real work. So I'm the one like on Saturdays, like my, my kids are, you know, I have classes and things like I'm working every single Saturday. Like from 8 till 3 p.m., I'm working. I'm logging that time in. And when that pays off, every single time that reduces my my worry that I'm going to be behind because I know I'm out, out working, um, you know, anyone that I'm worried about. Um, right. So I think that that ability to rely on your work ethic and your ability to think outside the box. And the other thing is my brain. I feel like my brain always gives me great ideas. And I know that sounds like crazy, but like even during COVID, oh. I was like, holy crap, what are we going to, who's going to want to coach right now, you know, during this crisis? And like ideas came to, wait, what about this? And like, I feel like that's always been really there for me. That survivalist like mindset that you need as a business owner to pivot and not go down that same. So my, whether you call it my brain or a calling, like I keep getting like ideas. Uh, that I rely on because that's always helped me, um, you know, think about new ways yeah. to improve my career. So how do you, how do you work with those ideas? Like, I, so I'm a idea person as well. There's constantly things rolling through my mind, but what, what do you do with those ideas? Do you have a spot in your phone? Do you have a journal? Like, what do you do with them? And then do you test them out to make sure they'd work before you kind of go live with any of those? Yeah. Well, when you're really good at marketing, that's actually a problem because you could literally <laughs> yeah, make it didn't anything. turn off. Yeah. Well, no, you could also make any business kind of work out. Like I always think my biggest problem right now is I don't have time because I have like five other business ideas that like, you yeah. know, I could like kick off it. Like I could start a kid's school program. I'm really, I think there's so much of a need right now for yeah. different types of schooling, like um, teaching kids etiquette, teaching kids leadership, public speaking. If I had the time, I would I would build it. Uh, so what I do is I do have like uh, on my to do list. Uh, we used to use this program called Todoist for project management. Now we all move to Asana, which I really love. Um, but I have I have like a personal section, and it's like called ideas, and I just like write it. You know, I just write it down when it's like outside, really out there. But a lot of times when it's like business ideas, a lot of times I just test it out with clients. I say like, oh, we we also offer this. We do offer this if you're going to yeah. come. And, you know, so I, I'm also a really big fan of, um, you know, the Kevin Costner movie, Field of Dreams, that says, oh, yeah. um, if you build it, they will come. I believe the opposite. If they come, you will make it. It's like, okay. it's always a philosophy. So I always like kind of pitch the idea softly to clients and say, we do this. Just to see if, because as long as I know we could do this, right? Yeah. And then if there's demand, I build it. Uh, yeah. So you kind of build it for, you build it second after you see there's a demand. And uh, demand. yeah, I, I watched the Richard Branson on master class or whatever it was. And he talked about, you know, he started an airline, he started a magazine, all these things he started out of frustration of another process, right? He was standing in line. It took forever bag, uh, you know, to pay money for his bag, all this stuff. And he's like, you know what? I'll fix this. I'm just going to start my own airline. So it's kind of what I'm hearing from you is that somebody needs it. Somebody desires it. And then you don't get stuck by the old paralysis by analysis is what I'm hearing. 
No, I don't. In fact, yeah, I have a problem. I love that. Like running with too many ideas. Um, and if I had the time, because I know SEO really well, I know blog writing skills, I know how to promote a social media, I could easily get that up and running. But right now, I have enough on my plate doing that for my existing clients. So yeah. I feel like not only do I have select advisors, but I have like, you know, 20 at a time clients that we're promoting, um, helping the market. So it's more yeah. than enough to, to handle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And our clients so, are really like they're different than financial advisors because they're a lot hands on and it's almost like I'm part of their team, basically. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So when you hear that, though, I talked about paralysis by analysis. Are you seeing that out in the marketplace? And what advice would you have for that man or woman listening right now? How to overcome that? Because I've seen yeah. it and it's hard to just tell somebody, hey, don't worry about it, man. Just just go do what, it, you know the rest of us do and just go build it as you go. And, and it's, they don't, they don't work that way. So how do you help them with that? Well, that happens all the time, you know, with the paralysis yeah. uh, analysis by over analysis. In fact, I, I have a test on my, uh, on my website that I actually created literally to help people like make a decision mm. really quickly, um, which I could send you. Um, but I think it, it all boils down to that word that we used, which is risk right? A firm, let's say, has been in business for 30, 40, 50 years. They've built their client base and they did it by word of mouth, building this great reputation. Now, all of a sudden here it comes Amy and telling them to like, let's start posting on social media. And they're like, well, we haven't needed this before. And now we could potentially, this is the part that they're worried about. We could potentially risk our reputation. Yeah. And yeah, I agree. Your reputation is all you have to go for it. So I've, believe it or not, I've stopped um, um, basically pushing so hard. That's another thing you, you learn as you grow more mature. You've, I've stopped pushing it and I just do it for my social media. I go crazy with social media. Yeah. I test on my account so I could show them like, look, I did this. I shared my full name. I shared my vulnerabilities and it works. Now you could choose if you want to do that too. Kind of like parenting, you know, like you could keep your room clean and let them make their room a mess and see which one they choose they like more. <laughs> right. um, like talk to your blue in the face, telling people to do social media. And then if it really doesn't work because so much of it is out of your control, then you're left with, um, you know, an embarrassment. So I just take them to the water and I let them drink if they want it. I'll build yeah. out their platform. I'll make it look as ready to go. I'll write them their message. The firms and the clients that do really well are the ones that are like, you're the expert, Amy, you just go wild, go do what you want, just run it by compliance. And those are the ones that get the traction, get the, get the views, get the followings. Um, and, you know, they also understand it's a long term game. Right. Yeah. Just like I wouldn't ask a financial advisor, what's been your performance over the past year? Um, you know, marketing is the same. You're building equity. You're building, a, you know, something that will pay dividends for years is the way I look at marketing. Yeah, and I think so many people too, they want to see that immediate thing. Well, Brett, I've been, I've been doing this posting thing for like two months. I'm like, dude, congrats. I've been doing this podcast yeah. for, you know, six and a half years. Like it doesn't happen overnight. It's, it's gotta be oh, consistent. Yeah. You got to show up, you got to do the work. 
and uh, and and it is what it is. And you fail along the way, you succeed along the way, but you got to take action. You got to do it. And so um, this morning, I was with I don't know forty five or fifty high school kids, and it was fun because I get to speak to them and. And, you know, you bring out this energy that they have at 17, 18 years old. And, and, it, and, you know, they ask questions that makes you dust off the old, you know, folders and files of things you did when you were in your 20s. And, and now here I am in my mid 40s. And, and so it was a good use of time this morning. But it, it made me think about a question I want to ask for you today is advice for yourself. That was something they asked me a lot of. What advice would you give yourself of the 17, 18 year old or the 22 year old Brett what advice would there be? And, and you know, I kind of came up with my three things. Uh, but the first one was just relax, dude, it's going to be okay. Right. Yeah. And then I gave him three other things, but what advice would Amy have, uh, for that, you know, 20, 25 year old Amy, uh, that may be needing some advice at this moment? Yeah. Well, one of the things when I was, um, uh, you know, starting out as a financial advisor, and I see this happening with a lot of the younger advisors too, is this like, you know, imposter syndrome, uh, like, uh, do I belong here? Is this 60 year old guy gonna be giving me his money? Um, right. I, I think that's a very common thing that people who are young in their, you know, I, I, I still like, I can't believe I'm even saying like that. I feel, I, I feel like not that old, but, right. um, but I, I feel it's weird like talking to your younger self, but yeah, I mean, I feel like we don't, if you don't have the gray hair, if you, if you don't have the experience, you're going to feel uh, you know, kind of um, like you're missing something. And one of the things I did was uh, I was not uh, finance, as I mentioned, was not my expertise. Like yeah. I could talk all day long about who just sold their business. You asked me how the, you know, the, what the Fed did that day or interest rates or the FX markets, and I would freeze. That was my Achilles heel, one of them that I felt like, oh, you know, like I, I would dread it. And I think one of the things I would teach, I would tell myself um, looking back is work on those technical skills that you feel you're low on because the younger you are, the better you better be in those areas to make up for that uh, lack of experience. Yeah. You know, a 60 year old guy would take a guy in his 20s really seriously if he was talking with confidence about the markets even if he wasn't there during all the historical, you know, crises and, uh, uh, you know, happenings in the markets. The other thing is I, I tried too hard. And I think I wrote about this too, in some of my posts, I tried too hard to fit in, you know, to be like, you know, do the small talk, play golf. And I felt like those were like, I needed to do those, but you don't need to do those. No. Right. Like try to outshine in other, other places. Um, uh, in order to, you know, to really succeed. And yeah, I think the other thing I would have done is, um, you know, started even building my business even sooner. You know, that would be another thing is like, if you feel you're good at selling and marketing yourself and personal branding, go work for yourself because otherwise you're just really, you know, kind of making someone else, um, successful, you know, like they say, yeah. you know, rather work 85 hours than work 40 hours for someone else. Yeah. So yeah, but only if you know down in your core that you're great at selling and marketing yourself, because those yeah. are the two things you really need in order to be a good business owner. Yeah. It's funny you say that. So the, another one of the questions today that, that uh, and they were very clear, they said, you know, this has nothing to do with your personal life. What are you most proud of? But professionally, they said, what are you most proud of? And, you know, I talked about our firm and, 
you know, the culture and all that stuff. But then it, it also hit me too. I'm like, you know, I have never worked for somebody. I, I, I've never had a quote unquote job. I, I started right out of college and, you know, I get this diploma and I go work a hundred percent commission, you know, and thank God my fiance now wife at the time and wife now, but fiance at the time, you know, believed in me, supported me. My parents didn't, they weren't like, we did what we paid for your college. And now you're going to go work a hundred percent commission. You fool, right? Like, that wasn't there, but I've never, I've never got a paycheck. I've had to earn every dollar that I've made, and, and I'm proud of that. But I think it does take that unique person because I've also had people that now in our 40s are like, you know, I wish I would have done something like that when I was in my 20s. But, you know, now they're like, I got a house. I got two or three kids. It's hard to go do that, right? right. Um, but I think sooner or later they've got to take that step and, and be willing to fail, and I think once that passion and that desire, like when we started Visionary Wealth Advisors, when I left my previous firm, we had three kids. My wife was pregnant with our fourth. We had just built a home, but I wanted right. it, right? I was hungry and I wanted to go out and build this thing. And, and, and we were able to do it and we pulled it off. But I think sometimes you just got to believe and you just got to go take action. Thoughts on that? Yes, absolutely. I mean, that goes back again to, um, that, that's why I said, if you're good at, um, you probably knew one thing that you're good at building, building a story, building a thing, you know, building a, yeah. a vision. That's probably why, you know, you, you're probably successful at it. Um, same with me. I knew I was, uh, I, I broke every, every stereotype getting the job at Citigroup and in investment banking. Yep. You know, built one um, block in me knowing, uh, building my confidence. Then at Goldman. Then I knew, so I knew, you know, my career was showing me I'm good at building things, right? So I think that's one of the things I'm really proud of is that I've been able to break all stereotypes, you know, coming to the U.S. as an immigrant and getting a job that only Harvard and Yale kids were getting, you know, that job at Citigroup I had in investment banking. I was the only one that went to, I went to undergrad at Stony Brook. Uh, which is like a name, you know, you probably may have not ever heard of it. That was my mm -hmm. undergrad. Um, every other kid was like Ivy League. So right. like, that was stereotype break because I didn't speak English until I was 12 years old. Wow. So like to get that far and then to um, literally pull the Band-Aid out of PIMCO and I was getting a really nice paycheck there. Um, and even then I, I also got a few other job offers and they were double that even, but I still gave those up to start select advisors. That's what I'm really proud of is like what I've built. And I, I, I think it's really important to also be proud of something you've built a hundred percent on your own. Yeah. You no know, one funded me. It's a hundred percent self-funded. I did go to some investors at the beginning and they were like, "Yeah, this isn't going to work. And you know, now it's too late because I feel right. like I've built it and it's pretty expensive now they now want to invest it. in it yeah exactly so um you know all of that just builds my confidence and i know what i've been doing has been right along the way yeah. so what would i find if i were to follow you around and uh follow you with a camera so this would be not to be creepy right but i follow you around to see your habits right um yeah. and so what would i see kind of the no miss items in amy's life day in and day out no miss items no missed items. Yeah. So like I said, I'm really adamant about my running. Yep. So that's like my, that's my sanity. One of my sanities. I run even when there's like a fire here in California, like nothing stops me from that. That's my sanctuary. Um, 
um, a lot of time thinking about work and doing work. And then it's kids, you know, I'm a single mom, so I handle my own kids uh, on my own. Um, so, you know, it's work run and then the kids and then, you know, my time alone, I really am into like music. Um, so I'm all about like going to concerts and music festivals oh, and cool. just, like, that's like my like work hard, play hard, you know, yeah. approach. Um, because I feel like that's like the only thing that like really reignites my energy. I also see a lot of creativity in those places. I see a lot of cool, like graffiti art and like the, the type of uh, sponsorships of like brands with music. And like, I like to bring some elements of that into the financial world. It, yep. You know, like how do you co-brand with a large name or things like that? So that inspires me too. I like it. Bucket list items. You're a bucket list person. I am. I am. Yeah. Although awesome. I feel like I actually wanted to write somewhere that I feel like I've pretty much lived most <clears throat> of my bucket list items because I feel like I've, you know, building select advisors is like one of the biggest things, you know, bucket list is supposed to be something that's like kind of almost like impossible to get yeah. to. And I, think I have, but I do have one bucket list, which is to stay at the Mandarin Oriental and Lake, Com Lake Como. That's like, it's like That'd sitting cool. there ready to go. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that, yeah, that I heard somebody uh, somebody call it an effort list. They're just like effort. I'm going to do that, right? It's not a bucket yeah. list to your point because they're right. just like I'm just going to do it, right? And just so I've thought it, about right. that. I'm like, I like that. I like that way of saying because you're right. Bucket list seems like ah, this is a pipe dream. This will never happen. But I think yeah. if we you know have clarity around where we want to go and and create time in our calendars, we can make those things happen. So just say Absolutely. the effort list. Um, so you have, uh, your outside CMO, you'd help with branding. We talked about that referral lytics. Tell us a little bit about that brag about, uh, your company select advisors Institute. Yeah. So as we said, um, we basically are one stop shop for financial firms and teams to do all their marketing. You know, the only three things we don't do is advertising. I'm not a big fan of paid marketing, you know, yep. Google ads, things like that. I've never spent on advertising and I don't want uh, clients to feel like they need to, you know, un unless you're willing to compete with the firms like Fisher investments that have a $300,000 right. a week budget. Right. Um, you don't need to do that. You could do organic marketing. So I'm all about, um, uh, you know, so we don't do uh, ad advertising. We don't do any printing. And then we also don't do any, like we don't, we're not event planners, but everything else we're doing uh, within Select Advisors from all the way from like, I've renamed at least a dozen firms. Um, oh, wow. uh, and then uh, I've basically rebranded and built out entire marketing material and collateral for about a thousand RIA firms and teams. Um, so helping them with branding, coming up with unique ways of saying who they are. Um, oh. And then from the day to day, you know, posting on social media, writing your blogs, website maintenance, website coding, all of that. I like and then it. referral, like it's like, yeah, referral is just like an ancillary part of what we do. It's for firms who have a really nice Rolodex of clients, but it really hasn't come about um, who those people know. We actually research and do the analytics on those people so that that way, instead of the small talk that you have during your quarterly reviews, you could actually say, hey, I noticed you're on this board and I noticed someone else went to Stony Brook. Would you mind referring me to that person? Okay. So you're making 
make it easier and basically saying, I already know your person. Can you just like, I know you know him. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. That's uh, the step uh, ahead of the step, right? Um, Last couple questions here for you, Amy. So uh, how about, you know, in our business, and again, whether I think a lot of businesses, you're in sales, right? I mean, even doctors, you got to sell while your practice is better than the next, right? And so how do you, what advice do you have for people that don't enjoy networking and they don't enjoy, you know, going to the cocktail party and shaking hands? Like for me, I know I I just, I don't enjoy that stuff. And so, but what advice do you have for people like me or like others that may not enjoy it, but we know we still got to go do it sometimes? We're both doing it right now because I don't enjoy networking either. I don't enjoy galas um, at all. Like that's not how I've yeah. built any of my business and you don't Same. either. So yeah, so believe it or not, um, majority of successful business owners are introvert or, or you know, or I guess um, social introverts, right? We, we don't get energy from going to those. In fact, those don't work typically, like going to yeah. a gala, like spending the whole night and spending all this money and meeting one person. Um, I like to do what you're doing, which is broad marketing, like lots of different people, um, whether it's using social media, I do a lot of email blasts, um, you know, to, to, you know, get, get email lists, get by email distribution lists, uh, whether, you know, or, or have someone like our firm research those names for you, get by CEO list, by RIA list and start, you know, dripping on them. Um, and, um, and that's for me, the most uh, efficient way. I also have a lot of people on my social media team who are adding, you know, helping me organize my social media uh, list. You could, you know, you, you really, if you don't enjoy the broad, um, you know, the networking, that's, it's actually a good thing. You should, but you should start embracing these other ways, more digital, digital, basically digital should be your friend. Yeah. And are you finding that that's the way a lot of people are getting business these days? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Website leads coming through, uh, people like you look at some of the firms out there with millions of followers, they are writing blogs, writing books, you know, they're not out there networking. They're just people yeah. come to them at, at yep. a certain point. Yep. Yeah. I would say it's like the, it's like the train that the, the, the magnets either connect or they don't connect, right. They repel each other. And I think if, you know, you have good values, you get good people and you're doing good work. The, the referrals come in. I, you know, I know when I was in my twenties, it was like begging people for referrals. I'm like, yeah. Oh, gives me anxiety even thinking about that. But, um, yeah, I just I just think that's uh, that's good. It's good to hear and confirm that it's it's not around, you know, networking events and and it's not the way to build it. Because I hundred percent agree. Right. So, um, kind of last question for you. Go oh, ahead. I was just going to add one more thing. Yeah. So it's it's not either networking or nothing, right? And I feel like the, one of the best quotes I heard recently was, "Doing a good job is not a marketing strategy." Like that's not you know Correct. you can't just rely on that. So you have to have something that's actively being done and it's, yep. you don't need to go networking to galas, but at least do something which is more digital. Yep. Yep. I agree. Um, so how many of the fears you've put in your mind over your career? Uh, it's one of my favorite questions to ask. So how many of the fears you've put in your mind over your career have actually blown up to the magnitude you put them in your mind to be? Zero. You're right. Yep. I mean, you know, the bad, I, I still have the, bag lady syndrome, worry, you know, that you're going to like end up being homeless. Right. Um, 
And um, you know, it's been a good thing, right? The big fear that's, is that anxiety. But, um, but I mean, when you hear the stats of like, well, I can't, you probably know this better than I do, that like 60% of the US is living paycheck to paycheck. Yeah, and crazy. All, all, where they don't have more than like $100,000 in retirement. You and I could start being like, we're like, what's wrong? Like, wh why are we thinking this way? You know, well, what are they thinking that I'm not thinking? So I think we're a little bit too worried about things, the worst case scenario. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So I said last question, my lie. This is the last question. You can see here this uh, sticker if you're watching, future greater than your past. So our, our firm's uh, mission is to help people achieve a future greater than their past. And again, doesn't mean people have a bad past, but I think everybody wants a better future. So when you hear that, Kind of what's that, what's that feeling it gives you to help you achieve a future greater than your past? Yeah. I mean, I feel like I'm, um, right now, select advisors are one of the best places it could possibly be. We have an amazing team in-house outsourced that I've also sourced and found yeah. some of the best talent I could think of. Um, and we basically have our recipe down how we write, what we think. So it's, it, that's what I'm excited about is like, you know, now it's no longer like each time we're like, oh my gosh, what, where do we start here? It's you, every single time we come to a client with even more and more resources and, and capabilities and tools. And that's what makes me really excited. It's like, it, it's like almost like um, going to a college that's going to basically be paying for itself down yeah. the line for, for any client that joins us. So that's what I'm really excited about. It's like knowing that that's, something that they're, um, you know, that I'm able to give to my clients. Awesome. I love yeah. it. Well, Amy, where can our listeners find more of you? Uh, on our website, select-advisors.com, plural, or go to amyslinkedin.com. And that amyslinkedin.com. Yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the nice and easy one right there. You got lucky yeah. on that one, huh? Brett, you should get that. Go to uh, go to GoDaddy and see if Brett's LinkedIn.com is available. Oh, nice. I like it. I'll have to check. Oh, there's yeah. a, there's We could have had this whole podcast just be that. You say that, we cut it, and we're done. Just or go Brett's to GoDaddy and find it. Yeah, right. exactly. I like so, it. I love it. Uh, awesome. Well, we will put all this in the show notes and uh, send people your way, Amy. It's been awesome having you, and uh, appreciate your time on the Circuit of Success. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. 